Welcome to the Marie Menu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 19 years of healthcare experience and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My skill in moving energy combined with my medical background have been a catalyst for change in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. Good morning and welcome to the show. We are in really, really sunny, super pretty. I think I'll be able to plant all those cute little things that I bought at Swanson's a couple of weeks ago. Did you max out your credit card again? No. Ah, just kidding. Yeah. Not at the flower store. Oh, okay. When I travel, <laughs> I tend to get, because I buy a lot of gifts for everyone, because I love to go to, like, like when I was in Greece last year. And we're going back to Greece, and that is filling up, by the way. So you definitely want to get on board about Greece. And also our lovely... Um, class about the vibrational class online one it is sold out but we are taking people who want to be on the cancellation list in case somebody cancels i will teach that class again i just have to find some time in my schedule but um we'll definitely make that happen the vibrational coaching you can't class. snooze or you'll lose right yeah, yeah. You right, right, now, right 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 exactly. so it's a gorgeous day here in it seattle is. And Seattleite people are actually really friendly when it's nice out. We're like beyond that. Yeah, we're, we're like <laughs> we really are. Yeah, like you go to the gas pump and you're someone will go, "Isn't it gorgeous? I'm taking my boat out today." And normally Seattle people, we actually don't share a lot of personal information, maybe because we're cold. Not a lot I don't of really know. Yeah, there's just not a lot happening, you know, especially if you live in Seattle proper. Mm-hmm. So right now our anxiety level is really low here while the sun's out, but typically I think. Seattleites could really benefit from our next guest mm. book, Outsmart Your Anxious Brain, yeah. um, Dr. David Carbonell, who we've interviewed before. He's also the author. He's of, back. He's back. He's the author of The Worry Trick, a fabulous book. Really love that. Love that book. And so now we have him back because mm-hmm. it has a brand new book out. And it's it's he says in the book that anxiety is the ultimate trickster, trying to convince us that we're in danger when we're not. In, in, in every case, it causes us to question our decisions, doubt ourselves, or worry incessantly about the future. And worst of all, it keeps us from living joyfully in the present moment. Um, Dr. Carbonell, um, a fun fact, and welcome to the show, by the way. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the show. A fun fact yep. is that you also are an actor and that you are the founding member of the Therapy Players and Improvisational. Sorry, I'm having a hard time talking today. Comedy troupe, a professional psychotherapist in the Chicago area. How exciting! Yeah, yeah, that's right. It, it's a, a lot of fun. Gee, we're in our seventh year doing this now. Oh my gosh! Yeah, fun fact. Um, but you yeah. are a clinical psychologist, and you specialize in treating anxiety. You're the author of four self-help books: Panic Attack Workbook, The Worry Trick, Fear of Flying Workbook, Outsmart Your Anxiety Brain, Ten Simple Ways to Beat the Worry Trick. And you're a coach on a popular self-help site, anxietycoach.com. That's right. And I'm coming to you from snowy Chicago today. Oh, is it snowing there? Yeah. Aww. Well, it's always snowing in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> I was there. I've been there twice. I love Chicago proper. Love it. I've been there to teach a few times. And one mm. of my favorite cities because people are so friendly. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a nice city. It's easy to get around. Uh, people are laid back. Uh, don't don't park where they've shoveled out their snow. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise everybody is cool. 
<laughs> okay, good to know. If you're in Chicago, don't think that someone shoveled out that parking spot for you. That's their space. <laughs> so they don't take hours it. Yeah, doing don't that. Take it. <laughs> yeah. And then if you happen to be in Seattle today visiting or whatnot, just know this is the perfect day to start to talk to everyone because everyone's happy. Mm-hmm. Our anxiety level will be low with the sun out. Just throw a smile at them. Yeah, not just, a hard thing right? to do. Yeah, just please do, do that. Yeah. So um, you write in the book that um, when people panic, they try to take a deep breath right away. And you say it actually makes things worse. Yes. And, and you know, big picture, almost everything people do initially uh, when they start to panic, uh, they're desperately hope, trying to help themselves feel better. It almost always makes things worse. Wow. And, and the, the, the breath is, is perhaps the most illustrative example. Wow. Uh, they, they get a sense, I'm not getting enough air. Uh, and their brain is screaming at them, take a deep breath, take a deep breath. And so they, they try and pull in a big inhale. Uh, but because they're already breathing so short and shallow, just from the top of their chest. Well, if you inhale from that posture, the only kind of inhale you can take is another gaspy, labored, short and shallow breath. Uh, and it feels worse. And, and that really scares them because it gives them the idea, geez, I'm going to run out of air soon. Wow. And and the the, the trick there. Uh, as with so many other things about uh, moments of panic and high anxiety, they need to exhale first. Their brain is screaming at them, take a deep breath, and that's a good idea. But first, first I need to give one away, relax my upper body, so now, now I can breathe more from my diaphragm and do the original idea I had, take a breath from the deeper part of my body. Uh, and they're just taking a very labored, short and shallow breath. You and know, it's, it's frustrating and scary for them. It's That's such good advice, and I've actually never heard of this before. But it makes total sense. I mean, because when you're scared, you're right, the whole upper thoracic cavity is contracted. And mm-hmm. and most of us breathe from our upper chest anyway, because most people are in anxiety to some degree <laughs> throughout the day, unfortunately, um, from our, our minds, right? Our minds telling us all kinds of terrible things that have nothing to do with any sort of truth. Um and so what a great idea to just exhale, exhale first, get that breath, you know, out before you take a breath in. That's right. Make some room. Make some room. Wow. So that you, you can breathe from your abdomen rather than from your upper chest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that works with something as purely physical as the breathing. And this notion of my gut instinct is wrong. I should do the opposite of my gut instinct applies in so many ways to moments of high anxiety. I just really loved reading that um, in your in your media packet that you gave me because it's so true. Uh, most people are not, they don't know how to really read their authentic intuition, which is a very calm, relaxed, peaceful part of the body. And so a lot of people follow what they think is that gut instinct, which is really the fear part of the body, right? It's It, it truly isn't delivering authentic information. No, no, not at all. It's a screamer. It's a heckler. Oh, I love that. It's a screamer. It's a heckler. And because I've never used those words before to describe it. And that was that's a fantastic way to describe it, because that's what I've trained my mind to be aware of, is that when I'm like <gasps> that, it's probably completely false information has nothing to do with me or what's going on in my life at all. But I've had to train myself to observe it. And that way, I love your terminology. The screamer. Don't listen to the screamer. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're going to hear the screaming, right? Uh, but 
uh, no need to take it to heart. Oh, dear, there's that screaming again. Oh, well. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, uh, and I think, oh, go the, ahead, that's please. That's the thing people might try to do. Uh, they, they try and shut up that voice of the screamer. Uh, and, of course, the harder they try and suppress that, well, the louder it gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they end up arguing with themselves. And, and <laughs> that's an argument that can go on forever. Wow. Well, and, and you write that, you know, one of the most common and natural occurrences is that we feel afraid most of the time. Yes, even when we can see we're not in any danger. Right. So being mindful of that scre- of the screamer, but recognizing that the screamer is probably not providing you accurate information. That's wow. exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Wow. If I could wow. get rid of the screamer, that would be nice. But most times people have tried and tried and tried and... and uh, well, it's like trying to get a song out of your head if that song is stuck in your head. <laughs> right. Did you oppose that song? You're going to be humming a few bars the rest of the day. You know, I, I didn't think about it that way, but again, you're so right on. I actually find it humorous. I like to listen to the screamer in my head. I mean, not that I, I want to focus on it, but when it comes, I'm like always like, oh, but that's probably not true. And then I love to kind of venture out in the world to prove that my screamer was inaccurate, sort of speak, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so I, I don't, I don't mind hearing it, but I've, I've just trained myself to not react to it or to catch myself when I start to react. And so what are, what is one of your cool, tr- you know, tr- tricks, I should say, about how to catch yourself when, when that screaming voice is there? Because so many times we're not very conscious to that voice. We just start to automatically react and make choices and decisions based on this terrible story that we're hearing in our head that feels life-threatening. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I look to find ways to help uh, people to literally sensitize themselves uh, to, to be able to get better at catching that in the act. Uh, and, and one of the, the best ways uh, is becoming more aware in the moment of how often people are thinking or saying the words what if <laughs> what I, I, if is an enormous cue here right well you know yeah. it's it's so funny um dr carbonell because i teach people to say positive what if questions because i can i loved reading that in your material about the negative what if questions because that's what people are saying all day long and you said that's the telltale sign that you're in anxiety you're in fear you're you're yes. you're running down that dark alley and there are you know mom monsters hiding in the archways of buildings going to attack you. You know, that's literally what's happening with all those negative what if questions. Yeah. Even while you're sitting in your lazy boy in the, in the living room, uh, (laughs) that's where the what if is taking you. Wow. What Uh, when you think about the human condition and how interesting the human mind is powerful and interesting and somewhat destructive to the human race, at least in my opinion, aspects of it. What do you think got us to this place? Or do you think we've always been this way? Well, I think we've probably always been this way, but we were in different environments uh, where we uh, faced on a daily basis. I'm I'm talking a couple of thousand years ago now, uh, where there were uh, predators and uh, uh, animalistic threats uh, at every turn. Uh, and, and this was a useful survival technique to be always watching for the worst, always watching for the worst, um, because our, our brain is organized uh, 
it would, you know, our, our brain would rather see uh, 10 lions that weren't there than miss one lion that was. Oh. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I think uh, what's really changed is we no longer have all these predators around us. Mm-hmm. And our brains keep wondering, where is it? Where is it? I'm going to look harder. Wow. Uh, you know, so the it, it's not uh, intended, if we could use that word here, it, it's not intended in a, a negative or malevolent way. It's a, a safekeeping device uh, that, that's, that's run amok now because there are so very few predators as I go to my office. Right. There's no lions lurking to catch you or... Um, One of my daughters actually travels internationally for work, and she was in South Africa, and she was jogging around, I know this seems like a long story, but she was jogging around the event where she was staying, and she was told by some of the people that kind of guard this estate that they were staying on that she could never do that because one of the most dangerous snakes in the world (laughs) lives, you know, in this area and there's no cure for a bite. If you get bitten, you're going to die. You're going down. Right. So (laughs) I can see like what you said, like, okay, these things were real for us, right? On a common basis regularly when we had predators and we didn't live in homes or whatever the deal was historically. But it's so rare today. Like my daughter had never heard of that. She didn't even know there was a snake like that. You know, so now now she jogs on a treadmill if she goes to that particular place inside. Swiping at her ankles right. every, every so often. But it's so interesting that our mind is somewhat prepared for this snake that only lives in certain parts of the world. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and there are certain, uh, you know, in, in terms of when, when people develop phobias, uh, well, we're pre-programmed to be ready to, develop phobias for certain kinds of events. Uh, easy to develop a snake phobia. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Very, very hard to develop a bunny rabbit phobia. <laughs> uh, because, you know, for thousands of years, uh, snakes were a bad thing and it was useful to be afraid of snakes. It's never been useful to be afraid of bunnies. No, I just worry about the bunnies by my house. I'm afraid my cats are going to, you know have them for a snack because I yeah. really like them. <laughs> you write, I, I, this is lovely. I'm really enjoying our conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I, you write that um, the problem with distraction. So a lot of people try to distract themselves from their anxiety, but you don't believe that's an effective tool. No, no. For a couple of reasons. Um, one, it, it's just most frequently ineffective. Uh, if something in your immediate environment, there's an event that distracts you. You get a phone call, say, and and it's somebody you went to high school with uh, seven years ago, however many years. Thirty years ago, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and and maybe you're starting to have a panic attack, and the phone rings, and there's Susie from your first grade class, and you have a wonderful conversation. Yeah, maybe an hour later, you realize, oh my God, I was starting to have a panic attack, and that phone call distracted me, uh, and that works. Uh, but now people get the idea, well, next time I have a panic attack, I'll just distract myself. And that's not the same thing. That doesn't really work so well at all. Because when you, you try and distract yourself, you're essentially telling yourself, stop thinking about X, Y, Z. And the minute I tell myself, don't think about X, Y, Z, guess what <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking about? Right? And right. So it's it's just uh, not, not effective. And it also conveys to the individual uh, that they are so vulnerable uh, that maybe thoughts could kill them, that, you know, having the wrong thought might be dangerous. Wow. Uh, 
And that's a tough way to live if you think, you know, that inside your brain there's a fifth column of saboteurs that are going to strike you down at any time. Wow. Uh, and, of course, thoughts aren't dangerous. You can have thoughts about dangerous actions, but the thoughts themselves are not dangerous. And, and so uh, the more this leads people to increasingly try to rely on distraction, and, and they fail and fail and, and feel more vulnerable as a result. And so you recommend observation instead? Yes. Yeah, let me work with the thoughts rather than against them. Hmm. I love that idea. So... And in other words, you use maybe more common sense as you are observing, you know, what's really going on instead of distracting yourself from it. Yes. Yeah. I'll often have people ask people to take notes, fill out a questionnaire if they're having a, say, a full blown panic attack. Uh, And initially they don't think much of that idea. Uh, But it's so interesting as people fill out the questionnaire. uh, Guess what happens? Uh, the strength of the attack subsides. Right. Um, and it's not a distraction. They're writing out the answers to questions about, well, what are you afraid is going to happen on a one to 10 scale? How panicky are you? Uh, so on and so forth. And the more they observe and write those answers, the better they feel. That, that, that's a, a very persuasive experiment wow. for a lot of people. They wow. see how that actually works. Well, and I never thought about writing it out. I think that's an awesome technique. I know that at times we finally get to a place where we let our brain kind of show us from this observation that what we were panicking about isn't even possible. You know, like somehow yeah. we work it out. But I love the idea because if you write it down, you first of all, that's probably going to calm you, you know, just to do an activity to disrupt. I know that's, that's mm-hmm. probably kind of a distraction. But to actually methodically move through it and see that, oh, wow, 90, 90% of this isn't even probable. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I, I, I don't think of that as a distraction mm. because they're, they're focusing on the panicky content. Um, they're just focusing on it from a different editorial perspective. So the, the, the subject is the same. They're reacting to it differently. And, I... and even, even the act of writing, well, at the same time as that they're writing, they're reading. And so different parts of the brain are getting engaged. That is brilliant, by the way. That is brilliant. So then you also talk about there's a difference between being the observer versus the victim. So I'm assuming maybe sometimes individuals are more, when they do this journaling of of this anxiety that they're experiencing, they could potentially write write it from a victim perspective? Um, I suppose that's possible. my experience, though, is that uh, doing the writing, answering the questionnaires is, is pretty effective at moving people into that observer role. Okay. So it, it actually it, gets you out of the victim role is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when the screamer is ascendant, when there's no observation going on, that's when people are most firmly ensconced in the role of victim. Wow. And the, the more they can observe, the more they can be noticing, okay, I'm having these thoughts and these physical sensations and now I'm predicting that I'm going to die and so on. Oh, this is what happened the last time too. The more they can observe, the less they are feeling victimized. Uh, You you can't be at both ends of the spectrum at the same time. And so the the more a person can be in that observer role generally, I I think the the calmer and and the more uh, in control they begin to feel. And so your books can help, you know, the average worrier, but anyone who's even having severe phobias, 
your books are fabulous for this because you actually um, you you treat you know anxiety disorders of course, but you also um, coach you know thousands of therapists um, in the U.S. and abroad, like ten thousand. Yes, yeah, I, I I travel monthly and, and take my workshop to uh, mostly cities around the U.S., but occasionally Europe and elsewhere. Wow. Uh, and, you know, training training professional therapists in these methods. Have you taken the acting troupe with you? Uh, no, I, I have, <laughs> I've brought the spirit of it with me. Yeah, no, that's you know, lovely. But I mean, that might, might be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 we're, we're a troupe of nine people. It's expensive. <laughs> yes, that's true. So yeah, we've stayed in Chicago. Okay. Um, so back to the lovely anxiety, you know, uh, topic that we're talking about today. What are safety behaviors? And what makes them a problem? Well, safety behaviors are these natural responses that, that people almost immediately gravitate to once they've had a, a bad episode of anxiety. Uh, uh, objects and activities that, that people come to rely on that they hope are going to help them stay safe. Mm. Uh, so uh, support person, bringing your, you know, if there's somebody in, in your world you identify as your support person, person and maybe you're afraid of driving on the highway but gee if i have my support person with me then i can drive on the highway okay i can do more of my ordinary activities if i have my support person oh wow and on one hand well that's you know there's something good there you're, you're getting more of your activities done uh that's good you can get to the job you can get to the uh wherever you're going but on the other uh, the affected individual, the frightened individual, tends to attribute all that power and success to the support person and not to themselves. If not for my support person, then I would have had a terrible episode and collapsed. And so mm. over time, they, they come to feel more dependent and more vulnerable because in their minds, the only thing that's keeping me copacetic is the presence of my support person. And, wow. and what, what if they disappear on me somehow? So it actually just creates more anxiety. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Feel more vulnerable. Support wow. objects, same thing. Stuff people carry with them. Right. Uh, I'm thinking of professional athletes who have superstitions, you know. and Yeah, yeah that's an excellent, yeah, lucky shirts, lucky sweaters, <laughs> yeah. Got you know, got to wear those socks that I wore uh, the World Series in 1972, <laughs> uh, stuff like that. Um, and with an anxiety disorder, uh, this contributes to people feeling that they've been saved, they've been protected by the, uh, the their favorite socks or their emotional support animal, maybe. Uh, and now they come to feel more vulnerable, more threatened, because I'm only all right because of this object. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you talk about in that observational, you know, aspect of having more consciousness of what's really going on with you, that um, there's a symptom inventory that you can take. Yes, yes. Um, I, I use that particularly with, with a lot of specific phobias. Uh, this is a great observational tool. I, I ask people to uh, develop an inventory of all the symptoms that they expect to experience when, say, if it's a fearful flyer when they get on the plane, or if it's a, a fearful driver when they get on the highway, uh, or, or somebody who's afraid of dogs and they're going to take an unstructured yeah. and so on. 
uh, and uh, help them develop a list of all the symptoms they expect to experience in that counter in that encounter with their feared object or activity. Uh, and they're broken down in categories, all the scary physical sensations I expect to have, all the scary thoughts I expect to materialize in my mind, all the negative emotions that I expect to feel, and all, all the frightened behaviors. Even behaviors are signs of fear, holding my breath, screaming, uh, running away, closing my eyes, all that. So they, they get a good inventory of all these symptoms, and then next time they go out to practice uh, with the airplane, with the drive whatever I want them to keep a simple count of how many times do I have each and every one of these symptoms and so now the first thing they're doing on experiencing the symptom is they go to their list check we're using where they're taking a simple count for all of these and we, we don't so much care what the total number is the counting is an early step in the process of acceptance Wow. Uh, individuals literally training themselves to cultivate a more accepting response to the presence of all each and every one of those symptoms. Wow. And you know, when you are screaming and your eyes are closed and you're jumping up and down, it's a little <laughs> embarrassing. I just might, you know, say I've done this a few times. I used to be terrified of dogs and uh, I've had a few cute little dogs scared the bananas out of me. Of course, now I have a dog, so I clearly got through that. But okay, it's a little—it's a little embarrassing, you know, when you're also hard to write. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we have had a wonderful time having you here on the show, Dr. Carbonell, who's a PhD of clinical psychology, and you specialize in treating anxiety. You're the author of four self-help books, and the one we're talking about today is Outsmart Your Anxious Brain. Love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Yeah. And how can people find you? Uh, best way to find me is to go to my website uh, at anxietycoach.com, A-N-X-I-T-Y, coach.com. They'll find all my books there. They'll find lots and lots, gobs and gobs of uh, uh, free self-help materials and information Love it. there. Love uh, it. Journals there if you want to download them. So that, that would be the way to find me, anxietycoach.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Carbonell. Have a beautiful, snowy day in Chicago. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much for having me. I'll be You're thinking welcome. about your lovely weather. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, Dr. Carbonell. And uh, if you'd like to join us on the second half of the show now, it will begin uh, for the mini readings for uh, Marie, 877-825-8828 is the number for the show, 877-825-8828. We'll be right back with more from Marie. Preceding audio was via a Skype call. Did you know a shift in your relationship with your mom could transform your relationships in life? It's true, and we're sharing how. Starting today, you have the chance to claim your ticket to the Mother-Daughter Summit for free. My name is Ana Paula Muñoz, and I'm a spiritual architect. And along with my mother, Adriana Olguin, a conscious parenting mentor and school principal, we're hosting this event for you. 
Join us for a series of transformational conversations where you will learn from the top experts in the fields of personal development, psychology, and spirituality. They will be sharing their best practices, tools, and a special gift with you so you can easily apply what you learn into your life and create lasting results. Claim your free ticket at themotherdaughtersummit.com. We launch on February 20th, so sign up now at www.themotherdaughtersummit.com. Alternative Talk 1150 is your sports organization's safe bet when it comes to airing your team's games. Our players are all seasoned professionals when it comes to sports programming. Imagine your games being heard on local radio. Your team deserves the MVP treatment. Call 425-653-1150 today to learn how affordable and fun it is to broadcast your games on the radio. Call 425-653-1150 and make your next season something special. That's 425-653-1150. Hi, this is Marie Mendicherry, and I'm excited to share upcoming online courses that I'll be offering in 2020. Mastering the What If Phenomenon. April 22nd and 29th of 2020. As many of you know, we talk a lot about the phenomenon of what if questions. What if questions to me are the equivalent to affirmations. However, they have a kick to them. We're working on numbing the ego so that it doesn't scare us every time we work on creating and manifesting something in our life. I personally believe that affirmations don't work very well because the ego mind is intimidated by things that we affirm that we have yet to create a belief system about. So what if questions resolve that conflict because the ego is not threatened by curiosity? So when we ask a what if question, what if I easily receive wealth? We quickly create a belief system in the neurotransmitters. I believe what if questions work a thousand times faster than affirmations, which sometimes affirmations can take over 10 years to create the belief system in your brain. So April 22nd and 29th of 2020, I will be offering a two-part 90-minute course, 7 to 8.30, yes, on Wednesdays again, on mastering what-if phenomenon. So you can quickly create the belief systems that you desire to manifest the things that you have already really placed into motion so you can allow them into your life and have the life of your dreams. I hope you can join me. Our veterans risked it all to protect our freedom. One of the best ways to say thank you is to volunteer to support them. At a time in history where kindness is a virtue, volunteering means a lot. For over 47 years, Help Heal Veterans, a not-for-profit organization with the support of citizens like you, have delivered therapy kits to veterans who need them. To volunteer or learn more, visit HealVets.org. That's HealVets.org. Marie is doing it again. She's headed to Greece for another fabulous retreat on the island of Syros. This time, it's a week-long adventure with sun, swimming, incredible food, daily yoga, and a four-star accommodation, which will include intimate and powerful teachings to help you manifest your dreams into your reality. Space is limited to just 25 lucky and blessed individuals who are ready to generate an astonishing life. Even if you're not sure what possibilities are in store for you, this retreat in glorious Greece will propel you into the vibrational awareness you crave. You will learn, practice, and play with lecture, meditation, and enjoy all the spectacular land and seascapes this magnificent and remote location has to offer. For more information or to book your accommodations, visit energyintuitive.com or call 425-485-8888. 
for this amazing retreat. Going our own way every day. Alternative Talk 1150. Great music, Benny. Thank you. You're one of the Love wild it. things. Remember reading that book? That book was the best what, what? in grade school. The, where the wild things? Uh, I don't <gasps> remember that one. <laughs> I don't know. I only really remember college. I loved college. I really did I not think like I read it in school. College too. <laughs> oh, you really? Okay. I'll look for it. Maybe it's you know one of the weird things is when your kids get older, they drop all their crap off into your garage. And my kids are all married now. They own their own homes. And somehow, because the kid's dad moved, uh, I got all the stuff that he hadn't. Sure. Got, got, so I have a whole bunch of college books right now in my garage. I'll just kind of look First through Misha's editions. stuff and see right. if that book is there. Well, if it's chemistry stuff, not as much has changed, except for the additions. And like, I remember in college, they were like eighty dollars a book. Oh like, yeah, it was very expensive. It was unreal. And I'm like, yeah. uh, can we use the next year's edition? <laughs> no, you have to buy another one, which has like one typo. Right. That was yeah. fixed, and it's like right. that doesn't count. <laughs> but you could sell your books. You know, you could go but back it's not to the, the bookstore. I think you got like fifty percent. Yay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they are very expensive. We know I agree. The universities are making their money. Yeah, we they really it. are. That's we one of their it. ways. All right, so uh, you are listening to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. If you're just tuning in, we just had a wonderful interview with uh, Dr. David Carbonell. That was great. Yeah, I the, really like him. Uh, he is fun. The anxiety well, coach. Yeah, and, and you know it's so funny because he says what I've been saying for a long time. Those negative what if mm-hmm. questions are a disaster. Yeah. Stay away from them. Make a positive what if question. He didn't say that part, but make a positive what if question. What if my day is is amazing. What if something wonderful happens today? What if I'm on the right track? What if everything is working out for me? And our what if question uh, cards are being designed right now. Right. So we should have some in a couple of weeks. Yep. I think I've been saying that for a little while. But keep, we've been a keep little saying, slow. Keep yeah. on keeping on. So who do we have on the phone line? Uh, yeah. Well, let's give out the number two, okay. uh, 877-825-8828. So we'll take now Dorothy calling in from uh, the Tacoma area. Hi, Dorothy. Hi, can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. Hi, Dorothy. How are you? Oh, I'm doing okay. Thanks so much for taking my call. Of course. What can I do for you? Well, um, I am a nurse, and oh, for the last nice. thank you for uh-huh. the last four months, I've been having um, some shoulder pain, mm-hmm. and so I did everything I could think of: massage, therapy, and some acupuncture, and uh-huh. sometimes some Aleve. It looks and a little frozen to me. Would you say that that could be what's happening for you? That's exactly what yeah. happened. I went to a orthopedic doctor. He yeah. did an MRI. There's a torn rotator cuff. Oh, even your rotator cuff is torn, but a not yep. very big tor- tear. Is that true? No, it was a little over half, but wow. it's not. It's not horrible. And um, does he want to so, do surgery on it? Well, I was going to do surgery Tuesday, and mm-hmm. then a week ago it just froze up. Yeah, no. And he said, no, no surgery now. You have to get your mobility back. And I don't want you to have surgery. Not that I'm not against rotator cuff repair, and mm-hmm. it sounds like a bigger tear than what I originally thought. But mm-hmm. I I think it, that you could actually heal this significantly on your own. That's what I think. But, of course, okay. you can go back in for another MRI after the the frozen shoulder mm-hmm. is recovered, right? Mm-hmm. Or whatever yeah. he's recommending. And of course, if you need surgery, you'll go get it done. But this is because you have too many burdens. Uh-huh. You have a lot of burdens and you don't know how to let go. You don't know how to get out of the way. You try to take care of everyone. Typical kind of nurse syndrome. You know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about? 
Yeah. And so even if you had the rotator cuff repaired, you know, mm-hmm. let's say that ultimately that's what you end up doing through the conventional route, mm-hmm. that if you don't get rid of these burdens, you could injure the other one. And I know the acuity these days with patients is high. You know, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of work that you're doing, even physical work. So Yeah. It's even made me wonder if I should get out of the field. I think you new. should, personally. I mm-hmm. think it's time for you to let go and do something else. I mean, luckily you don't hate your job. I think people should leave their occupations before they hate them. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's just a really low frequency, and it's really hard, right, Benny? I agree, hundred percent on right? that. Right? Yeah. It's I like, mean, I love my job still to this day, twenty years into it. And the day I was like, it. I go in, I'm like, it's not going to happen anymore. I'm like, I'm like, out there, my right? Two weeks. Yep. Right? Because sure. we're supposed to be happy. We spend yeah. so much time at work. Yeah. We need to be filled with joy. Gotta be happy. So you're already in a good place. And I, Benny, I'm so proud that you love your job still after twenty. Well, we, years. I mean, we led with the, um, the weather. Yeah. We've been missing it, and it just has changed our atmosphere <laughs> yeah, and our emotions. So funny, right? You know, we have an amazing view yeah. from the studio. So. I mean, that helps too. Yeah. So I, I, you need to get rid of your burdens. You're already in a, a high frequency about work because you don't hate it yet. So this is the time to make a change. And then we can get your shoulder to, if it doesn't completely repair, it, it will start to repair and get maybe 50% better. Or I actually think it can repair on its own, which is really interesting. You have a very lucky body. Like your body's talking to me like, we got it. We can take care of this. You know, That's what your body's literally telling me. Is that true? Have you been able to recover from things pretty naturally? Well, I I feel like I've just been active and healthy, and I feel confident in my body. This has just taken me by surprise. Well, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's not a horrible disease. Mm -hmm. So so that's the good thing. You can relax. The frozen shoulder, I think, is hormonally related, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hormones are changing. Your body doesn't want to be at work anymore. Mm -hmm. So can you, are you taking a sabbatical from work right now for your shoulder? Not yet, no. Oh, why not? Well, because of um, financial obligations. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, how can I let my burdens go? Because oh. some of the biggest burdens are, are financial, but my husband is looking to go to school, mm-hmm. and that might lead to a career opportunity that will help take the financial yeah. burdens off of well, me, which would be huge. Yeah, and so let me just say a couple things about money. This is an important part of all of us on the human realm having independence and comfort with money because money is just energy and how we relate to money actually matters. So before you open up your wallet, your purse, look at your checkbook, you know, get online to do any sort of banking or open up your mailbox, you need to check your energy. So here's a great example when I'm looking at you intuitively. When you go to work, because you you have, and I want you to take some time off or ask them to take you off the floor or however, I don't know exactly how you work, but you need to do a step down type of work until you get better. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So please go talk to them. But when you go to work because you're such an advocate for patients, you really do shift your energy. Like if you had a bad day at home or you shift your energy because you feel you know, this great respect and honor in the work that you do. Do you agree with me, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I want you to do the same thing with money. You can't have a negative thought about money and connect with it and have positive outcome. It's impossible. So you need to think of happy thoughts before you open your purse. Unrelated, you need to feel, look out the window, see how, you know, because it is a beautiful day here today in the Northwest, right? Do something to get your energy in a, a, completely different frequency before you connect and the money will just start flowing into your life and use positive what if questions what if I get to do work 
that I love that's really fulfilling for me and I am paid beautifully. Mm-hmm. Start doing those things so that you can have that freedom. Okay. Okay? Uh, interesting. One more little thing because I know you've got other callers right. is the hormonal thing. Yeah. Is, yeah, I'm two years into menopause. Right. And I just started hormone therapy like a month ago. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Huh. And make sure that you do herbs for your adrenal glands because the adrenals are really the powerhouse for the entire endocrine system. This is not something modern medicine has even bothered to study, <laughs> which is natural remedies or, yeah. you know, supplements. And sure. But make sure you're taking herbs for your adrenals. That will help you significantly. Okay. Okay? okay? Thanks so much. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. Thanks, Dorothy, for joining us from the Tacoma area, 877-825-8828 for the Marie Manucherry Show. If you're just tuning in, the phone lines are opening up. And quick hello to our newest yes. producer for the show, Courtney. Yes, yay yes. For joining the show. Round of applause. Yay. <laughs> oh, yay, yay. So, <laughs> yay. I, now I brought the studio on. They were a little late in, so, you know. <laughs> so my assistant, Lisa, is taking a step back mm-hmm. from being a, an assistant for me. And so we now have Courtney who is my new assistant. Yay! Welcome aboard. And so she's coming to the studio with us on Thursday. This she is got her, her first time. Wet real yeah, quick here. of course. Real yeah. Quick. It helped that we were interviewing yeah. Dr. Carbonell this morning yeah, because so. Benny could totally. um, spend some time with Courtney you and got it. all the equipment. Yep. Okay, who do we have? We take uh, now Catherine calling in from the Federal Way area. Hi, Catherine. Hi. Hi, Catherine. How are you? How are you? I'm great. Thank you for asking. What can I do for you? Well, you always sound great. So thank I usually am, believe it or not. But I make choices in my life, conscious decisions from observing my life that are in my highest good. Right but, on. Okay, so what can I do for you? Yeah, I'm calling. Um, first, I want to thank you for the speaker. It was exactly what I needed to hear at this time. So great. that was awesome. Thank great. you. You're I welcome. Will be checking out that website for sure. What I was calling about is um, I called a few months ago and about how my life is in such limbo and how it's kind of affecting me emotionally, health-wise, you know, and stuff. And you reassured me it's just that's what's happening and that's where I am and uh-huh. it's, it's, that it's going to be okay. Um, I just I think I'm just calling in to just to check in with guys and, and just to make sure that I'm really listening and doing supposed to be doing right now in my life and because I just I'm not used to being such a limbo person so good for you though you know like it's you need to stop trying to control everything yeah it's so weird to me and it's like I just I just sometimes I just kind of go I don't I don't understand what's happening and what's going on (laughs) I really like that though I think there's very few moments in our life where we get to (laughs) feel like we're 20 again you know oh is that what I'm supposed to feel like I'm 20 well if you were 20 (laughs) And yeah. and everything was happening that's happening right now. You wouldn't even care because you're you're you don't know what your life is going to be about. You 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 know, you know when you're 20, who knows what's going to happen for most people? Like they're getting out of college or they're in college. They don't know who they're going to marry if they're going to marry. They don't know if they're going to have kids. They don't know where they're going to live. I mean, it's they have a lot going on. They have a lot going on, yeah. and, and there's freedom. That's, that's actually kind of hard for me to relate to because I I married my yep. um, you missed husband it. from high school and I was uh-huh. becoming a mom at 20. You missed it. You missed I, that I missed fun. All that, but here all you that. are. You're actually having it now. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> so again, nothing's wrong. You need to learn how to stop trying to control things and just be okay in the not knowing. Like that. That's a pa- Again, there aren't too many times in our life. That's why I picked the, the 
double digit 20 because that's the time where we don't know and no one's really has an expectation for us to know at that time we're exploring we're we're wondering we're dreaming and and we're not limited so don't limit yourself be comfortable maybe a great what if question for you you know what if it's okay for me to have a 20 something experience right now in my life mm. i think okay. that will reduce your anxiety Okay. <laughs> and and put you in more of that creative sector of, wow, the world is my oyster. What am I going to do? I don't know, but it's going to be magnificent. It's going to be fun. It's going to be an adventure. I guess I always, you know, I start feeling that way, start dreaming. Then I wonder, well, how's this going to affect, you know, like the marriage, you know, because I, <laughs> my husband and I have, I think, different ideas. You know, he's, He's comfortable with just the way it is, and I'm more of the dreamer. And Yeah, well, I mean, who, who knows what's going to happen, but the 20-year-olds aren't thinking about how it's going to affect other people in their life. Remember, they're really thinking about themselves. So you need to be focused on you because you have you have spent, up until this point, most of your life thinking about everybody else and taking care of everyone yeah. as a whole. And now yeah. this is your opportunity where it, you're really not needed in that way right now. And you're not, at least from my opinion, like, so if you have children, they must be somewhat grown or somewhat mm-hmm. independent, right? Yeah. Your husband's an independent person. <laughs> He's, he doesn't need you, you know, ushering him around the world. So, True. so now it's your, you, you have this get out of jail free card where you can be your authentic person. You don't know who you are. You're going to find out you're 20. It's great. Okay. <laughs> so just let go. What if I let go? Okay. What if I surrender and get out of the way? Okay. All right. And then let me know how it goes. Okay. okay. <laughs> Would I, I throw a quick question in? Um, quick, 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 quick. Okay. So my, uh, we were just asked if we would co-sign on helping our daughter purchase her first home. And it's like an uninhibited co-signer thing it's just for a year oh a year okay if it's only a year uh, yeah it's just for commitment, a year then that's fine but other than that no only a, a year is perfectly fine but sounds like put a limitation on it yeah but. put yes put some limitations i don't want you to be like on board for 30 years for this house you know what oh, I no, mean? no 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 it's just that she was a stay-home mom and she's back to work and she actually makes more money than her husband and just, that was that was where she has the best credit better than his everything was great until they said oh but you didn't work for two a year and a half two years to be a stay-at-home mom and so she got they got punished for it and they said the only way we can go further with this is if you have a co-signer that says that they basically shows they have the finances to cover your income if you're not working for one year for one year and then they would have to refinance okay um, yes that's fine okay you don't see a worry in that no just a year okay yeah yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. Thank you. Have a beautiful day. Thank you. You as well. Thank you. Thanks, Bye-bye. Catherine. Don't forget to smile there in Federal Way because it's sunny out. <laughs> no, I'm so excited. Right. Okay, Benny, I'm just going to say something that hasn't become public knowledge yet. <gasps> I know. But you do you remember dun, who Suzanne Geisman is? Yes. Yeah, she's lovely. Uh-huh. She's going to be in Seattle at, at the end of July, 25th and 26th. And she and I are going to be teaching a workshop all about everything that we love about intuition. So we're going to teach a two day workshop here in Seattle. I'm currently hunting for a hotel. Um, but these things, wink, wink, yeah, wink, wink, looking for a hotel. 
Um, but just so you know, she, she'll be in town and we're going to team teach. It's going to be super fun. But those things will be on our websites probably in the next couple of days. And she's very organized, Suzanne. As you know, she used to work for the military. So she's, she's got everything sharp. cooking, beautiful, sharp. sharp. And yep. Yeah. So just, you know, you might want to save those dates, no matter where you live in the country, by the way. You could fly into Seattle, spend a couple days here when it's the most beautiful ever um, throughout the year. It's just gorgeous here in the summer. And spend the weekend with Suzanne Giesman. Perfect. Me. Yeah. Okay. Who do we have on the phone lines? Well, we're going to take Angela calling in from Minneapolis, Minnesota, land of the 10,000 lakes. Ooh. Gotta love it. <laughs> See, Angela knows. Hi. She gets it. Hi. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. Hi, Angela. What can I do for you? Yeah. Um, so I get, I'm anxious. But anyways, um, this past month has been kind of a whirlwind. I'm I sorry. I lost a family member oh. and then went on a meditation retreat and really opened up and then had this soul connection with someone. And then since I've been back, I kind of entered this dark night of the soul depression space and how I've been... Letting myself be in that space is I've been trying to move more. Uh-huh. And so that includes like dancing and just processing things somatically. And I joined a local yoga studio. And then a few days ago, I somehow was like either strained or overstretched my inner thigh muscle. Uh-huh. And I just feel a little flat on my back right now. Like I'm so sorry. Every, everything just feels so... <clears throat> crazy and I'm you know I'm like trying to let myself just be in this grief and process it and then after the strain I'm like okay I don't universe like what what do I need to know well <laughs> because you didn't really I mean I know you were grieving the family member that was lost but you you went out in the world when you probably needed to just relax you know what I mean and um and so now you're on your back <laughs> so that you can just relax and let yourself fully have this experience I've been having the experience. I mean, this, I think I had a lot like of distraction. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you can disagree with anything I say, but yeah. you've been distracting yourself, you know? Okay. I think this loss is a, a lot more meaningful than you recognized. Okay. Because you logically put it into, you know, a healthy perspective, which is wonderful. That's a great thing about you. But you have an emotional body, too that needs you to rest and just really just, even if you're not crying, because we don't have to grieve through tears, but just to let the energy move out of your body and the connection you had to this person and how you supported that person or the people involved or, because it looks a little like it was a little complex for a while. Yeah, it was. Okay. So just, just go ahead and rest. For healing sessions. And it was, it was, and then it was me, figuring out my boundaries about all of that. Right. You know, it was complex. You know, I've had, and I, and here's one of the reasons why I think it was complex because the universe just showed me this is, you know, I've had clients before who I knew were going to pass away. And I told them, by the way, although not everybody believes me when I tell them, you know, I don't think you're going to survive this illness, which isn't luckily something I have to say on a regular basis at all, which is wonderful. But when I've had that conversation with a client and they still choose to see me, it is kind of a burden for me. You know, it's it's a little hard. I mean, I, I want them to come and see me. They want to come back. But then I feel kind of guilty. I feel, resp- you know what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm seeing this in my head because it completely relates to your situation. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. 
So it's, yep. a, it's a big deal. It's very core related because our job as healers is to help people get well. But in reality, people heal themselves. We provide opportunities, but this is not a permanent reality. Everyone leaves the planet at some point. So it's this, it's complicated. It's deep, you know, and this is someone that's connected to you on a, even a more personal level than a client. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. So, so that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Mm. <laughs> I just feel like I have been in this month of grief. So yeah. So what? But, but see, grief is powerful. It, as yeah. soon as you start to grieve, you're, you're even grieving your old perception of yourself because you're changing rapidly. Yeah. And, and this takes time. Grief is like a soft animal. It's the way they're showing me, it's kind of like when you take um, really fine, like, uh, bark or really light soil and you start to pack it into your flower beds. It's so fluffy. You have to be kind of slow in the process. Yep. And, and but yet it needs to be thick. <laughs> yep. That's what they're showing me. So just relax. Just be with it. Don't care. Don't try to fix this. Don't try to make it go fast. Just hang out. Your thigh has okay. already is running the, the program right now anyway. So just let it go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank so you. So I just, Oh, go ahead. Should I just let go of the Yeah. Movement? You yeah. think? Yep. <laughs> yeah. I know. Right. Okay, just let yeah. go. Okay. All right. Thanks for calling. That Thanks. was a nice conversation. Thanks, Angela, for joining us from Minneapolis, Minnesota. We'll take one more before the end of the show, unfortunately. <gasps> oh, but we couldn't get to everyone. I'm so sorry. Rose from Brooklyn. Hi, Rose. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much. Hi, for Rose. And sure. thank you for waiting yes. so long because oh, you called patient. in no, at the top. It was so informative. I loved this first speaker a lot. Wasn't was he great? great? I'll have yeah. him again on the show. He's really lovely. What can I do for you? Um, well, I have two questions, but one really important one for the we'll first probably thing only get to the time. first. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. Quick. That's fine. So two minutes. My cat has been really sick for like three, four days. Five and how days. old is your Growing cat? Up, she's seven. Oh, okay. So and she's young. She's been to the vet and like she just won't eat. And it's been like five days. And she won't eat. X-rayed her. I just wanted to see if you could like do a scan and see if there's yeah. anything that you can see. And so she's not eating, but she's still throwing up? She's not throwing up anymore because they gave her some anti medication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's her liver. So okay. here here's so here's what I think happened. Um, but I also knew a great animal communicator, you know, if, if what I am suggesting doesn't work, but I'm I'm usually right too, but you know, it's really nice to have someone who can, you know, spend more time with you about it if you need it. A little it. more focused. Right. So I think it's her liver. She probably ate something a little poisonous. Not meaning, okay. to, you know, not meaning to, and you're on the right track. You're doing all the right things, but I really believe in natural remedies. So, um, we're going to have you stay on the line. Either Benny or Courtney will get you your contact information. I'm going to email you a company that sells wellness, um, uh, herbs for pets. You'll have to make sure that they can take this remedy with the antimedic. That may not be possible, right? We're not really sure yeah. because you have to make sure that they're, they work together. But mm-hmm. I want you to start, I want you to give herbs for your cat that are, work really well to help her detoxify her liver. So, was she okay. starting to dry heave a little bit too? Yeah. She, yeah. Because I think this is bile. You know, I'm like in the liver. That's where I'm at. So, um, okay. But yeah. I think she's going to okay. be fine. Okay, good. 
Yeah. I just don't want to take her in for an operation and all that to try and find well, something if it's like because I, I had a feeling it was poison as well. But really, good like job. something, yeah, yeah something. I just, it could even be a flower. Like you that. never know. And and make sure she gets hydrated though, because cats get dehydrated easily. So make sure if you have to take her in, she gets hydrated. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Getting good. Every day. Great. That's cool. beautiful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> have a gorgeous day in New York. Thank you. Yeah, and hang tight. I'm going to put you on hold, too, real fast, too. Thank okay? you. Thanks, Thanks Rose. Right. And thank you, everybody, for the show today. And it was wonderful, you know, interviewing Dr. Carbonell. You can read his book, Outsmart Your Anxious Brain, or the other books that he's written for anxiety. And thank you, Benny, so much. The website, anxietycoach.com. Anxietycoach.com. Remember the Greece trip. Yeah. We would love to have you. And keep an eye on the online courses. I'll be adding more, um, but our current vibration, vibrational ones sold out. Joyful blessings, everyone. Bye-bye for now.